What's up, guys? It's Kenny from Let's Talk Law Enforcement. Real quick, before we get into this episode, I wanted to give a shout-out to my sponsors. RTI Training, Pour the Finest Coffee, Customly Crystal, and the V Development Group. Without these guys, this podcast wouldn't be happening. Thanks again, guys, and we're going to get right into this very special episode. Megan, how are you? Welcome to Let's Talk Law Enforcement. Thank you so much. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm hanging in there, East Coast time. You know how that is. We had look, we had to figure that one out because I'm like, wait, I <laughs> forgot she was West Coast and I'm East Coast. But I'm I glad, know. I'm sorry. Know. No, no, I no. Heard. It's fine. I, I'm glad we could make it work for both of us. So um again, welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast. And Listen, I'm going to jump right into this. I I saw your story a couple years. I want to say a couple years ago, right? And I came across it, and uh, I was working in D.C. at the time as a cop, and I I couldn't, like, I'm looking at it, and I'm, you know how you like, okay, where's, where's the punchline to this? Like, you know what I mean? Like, all right, right. What, what is, is something that, something that I'm missing here? Because wait a minute she's like trying to stop a bad guy on a call so i looked at that and i'm not gonna say i was fascinated with it because you know i understand you know that was traumatic for you but all throughout that right again you know we had our little discussion off air somebody who's been involved in a shooting on duty uh, it's like okay what did she i'm missing something here so yeah tell me you know, again, if you don't mind, tell me, tell me what what happened that day, right? Kind of refresh the audience of you know what happened on that day. Yeah, of course. And listen, you can say it's fascinating because I'm even like fascinated by it. I think that's our culture, you know, <laughs> true crime. We right. like to see stuff like that. You know, it's one of those things where you're like, "What the heck just happened?" I, right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so don't feel bad for saying fascinating because it just is what it is. But. Yeah, so that day was September 4th, 2019, over four years ago now, and I just responded to a 911 call. It came out as an unknown problem, which is, you know, under the umbrella of, we don't know what it is. Right. (laughs) But it ended up being a mom who was calling about her adult son, and all dispatch relayed to me was she was saying, oh my God, oh my God, get him out of here, get him out of here, and then the line goes dead. So she's still connected to dispatch, but she's not answering questions. She's not responding. So then it gets bumped up to priority one. So I'm in the area, it's my city and I respond and, you know, our department, we're really understaffed. It's never been the case where we run two man units. So I arrive by myself. It's standard. And as I park my unit, like two houses down, I'm walking up the driveway to go contact the mom, the reporting party, and the front door flies open. He walks down the driveway, beeline straight towards me, and, you know, he's mad. Like, we all know those people that you're not going to have, like, a normal conversation right. with them. You already know. Right. Yeah. Like, right. after, you know, they hate to say training and experience, but it's true. It's 100% yep. true. So. You know, the very first thing you can hear me on my recording say is, hey, relax, what's going on? You know, his demeanor is not good. Anyway, 
the cliff notes version is I go to conduct a detainment, you know, just put his hands behind his back, no handcuffs, just a detainment and pat down his pockets for weapons. See, you know, make sure everything's safe. And that just sets him off. So within, you know, I think it was 13, 14 seconds of my arrival, we started fighting. We actually fought for about three minutes before that video kicks on. So I go through, you know, all the steps. Yeah. The verbal commands, the defensive tactics, the rear wrist lock, uh, the figure four takedown, I tried to use my RCB. I couldn't reach my taser because of how he was holding my hand. I couldn't reach across my right. belt. So, you know, after about three minutes, that's when that video kicks on and you can see him, you know, pummeling me in the face. And right. I get to the point where I'm like losing this fight. You know, I'm not right. proud enough to right. say I was losing that fight. I was going unconscious. So right. I tell him I'm going to shoot you hoping is a last ditch effort to, you know, quit the violence, deescalate, whatever you want to call it. So we end up falling on the ground as you see, and I take aim and I miss, and then he pins my arm in the ground. We fight over my gun. We end up sending around in the ground, which ultimately saved my life. And he's able to take the handgun from me. And as I'm on my hands and knees, I look up at him and he's pointing the gun at my forehead and I hear the trigger click. And it didn't go off because it had malfunctions. So when we were fighting over it, it stovepiped. And he didn't know that. So then you see him in the video clear the malfunction and he's he fires at me as I run away. Then my partners arrive. He gets into a gunfight with them. He goes to the hospital. I go to the hospital and then begins a four-year journey of trying to get myself better. So... Okay, he cleared the malfunction. Was he former military or something or had training? No, not that I know of. I have no recollection if he had anything prior. I don't think so. But, okay. you know, when, when he pulled that trigger, obviously nothing happened. And you can kind of see him, like, rack it like somebody just grabs a slide. Like, they don't know how, like, we are trained. But right, you know right, that that's right. how the way, like, a gun cycles. So, right, yeah, okay. he, you know, discharges that round and... Thank God for that malfunction, because I would have been murdered. You'd been murdered, yeah, on the spot. So, who who took the video? Was that that a citizen in a window or something? Yeah, it was a guy who was sleeping upstairs in his um, bedroom, and he woke up to the sound of us fighting. Okay. And his first instinct is, "Let me grab my phone and video." Not help, of course. Right. Let me video. Yeah. But yeah. Okay, that's that new world stuff, and we in now, unfortunately. Yeah. But okay, yeah. so he's arrested on scene, right? Yeah, so he got shot, I think, six or seven times, and then he was taken to the hospital, but he remained in custody up until the trial. Okay, right, and then he gets to the trial. Cause it, see, this is the interesting part for me because I'm, I'm kind of, I look into it, but I really didn't want to, I wanted to wait to get you and ask you these specific questions, right? And I yeah. told you before, I didn't want to, if it upset you, let me know because we both, suffer from PTSD so we know how you we can bring back stuff and you're like whoo I didn't know it's gonna hit me like that so if you feel any discomfort let me know at any time well thank um, you ask yeah. you the questions right but I think it's important to talk about you know it is it is it, it really is because you know I think we mentioned it, it I know it saved my life right talking about it exactly. and I'm sure you know talking to somebody who understands so okay you go to court Yeah. So we went to court and trial was a total of 21 days long. I was cross-examined for three days by the defense. I have sat in on trials. I've been, you know, the responding deputy on prelims and, you know, violent crimes. And I have never 
seen or experienced something like what happened to me in that courtroom. And there was even captains and sergeants and other district attorneys like, I've never seen this happening. I mean, from the get-go, you could tell that this was no longer in the justice for a victim. Right. It was how can we make this villain right. be even more villainized? Right. I was not protected under my Marcy's Law rights as a victim. I was not even treated as a human being. And that was something that really, you know, was a huge role in throughout the trial was the jurors could not see that I was anything more than a cop, that I basically knew what I signed up for for this job. So what did I expect to happen? I mean, for the jury to look at me that I should have been murdered because he was in self-defense, that was what the defense said. And for them to buy that was just really heartbreaking. Was this like a new DA or something, district attorney, or, you know, one of, you know, that new era at that time where, you know, this was that anti-police stuff that was starting. Was that like a new DA who wanted to prove a point? Well, my DA, she has been around for a while. She's the prosecuting district attorney for the crimes against peace officers unit. So all she handles is crimes against cops. She's not new to it. However, I think Assembly Bill 3070 played a gigantic role in the acquittal. And I think that, you know, I'm not prideful enough to say that the defense was horrible because obviously he did his job, but I think he was more prepared for using Assembly Bill 3070 to his advantage okay. and we were not prepared. Right. Okay. 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 And that bill specifies what exactly for, you know, for me and the audience who may not know. What was, what was that? Yeah. So Assembly Bill 3070 was enacted in the state of California, of course, last year. And what the bill in layman's terms means was they tried to get more racial equality in jurors. Wow. So what they did was in preemptory challenges, when you're going to be selected for a jury, you're asked a bunch of different questions. Okay. You know, do you have any bias towards this or, you know, bias towards that, whether it's ethnicity, religion, so on and so forth. Well, before police officers used to be a protected class, meaning right, right. if you had a bias, you would be automatically excused. Right. So now Assembly Bill 3070 got rid of that. Law enforcement is no longer protected. So you can sit on a jury. If you say, hey, listen, I don't like cops. They're bad. They're racist. They're this, they're that, they're you're that. Good to go. You're a Exactly. You're good wow. to go. And on top of that, if you nap during the entire trial, you cannot be woken up. You can't be interrupted. <laughs> if you give, yeah, it's wild. What? If you give, yeah, if you give confused or unintelligent answers, you know, you're allowed to sit, you can't be questioned. So now we have the fate of people in these jurors' hands who they're wow. sleeping the whole time. They already hate me. Right. I mean, right. what type of Sixth Amendment right is that? Right, right. exactly. So they can, so you can sit in the jury box the whole trial and they can't say, hey, wake up? No, you can, you cannot disturb them. Wait, 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 wait. Who, what yeah. idiot came up with this bill? Like, because here's the thing. What point are you trying to prove? Because... Somebody sit, sitting in there missing, you know, facts and, and things that they probably need to make a correct or educated, informed decision on. And they're half sleep in a jury box. And then they're just like, OK, well, she's guilty anyway because she's a cop. And I hate cops. My brother lo got locked up by a cop. My mom's yeah, already I mean, made up. 
five out of 12 of my jurors had an implicit bias towards cops. So the cards were stacked against me oh, from the very get go. Yeah. Yeah. There was nothing that I could have done or said. I mean, they heard the audio, they saw the video. I mean, there's no more compelling evidence than a video of a crime being committed and it still wasn't enough for them. So, you know, and, and what this bill did was in 2025, it's going to be allowed in civil trials. So say you're wow. a citizen who gets hit by a drunk driver and I'm the cop that took the report. Well, if you're sitting on the jury and you don't trust cops, now this civilian who just got catastrophically injured by a DUI driver is not going to get their justice because you hate cops. So these assembly members that wow. voted for this, they didn't even think through the ramifications. They right. thought, let's just make it harder on the cops. Right. When in all reality, they made it harder on every single person that lives in this state. Wow, that's crazy. So did anybody, and I'm sure somebody did talk to you after they acquitted this guy, did, I mean, what, what were their ground to say he acted, and I, I want to be sure, he acted in self-defense? Was that there? Yes. yes. And what self-defense do you take an officer's gun and try to kill her? I'm missing that part. Yeah, well, I think you, me, and a lot of other people um, accept the jurors. So basically what the defense said was, I had no legal standing for a detention, which you and I and every other cop in this nation, I hope, understands is not the precedent because that's very dangerous for right. those that still do the job. You know, a 911 call is enough precedent to conduct a detainment. I wasn't arresting him. I was investigating a crime. So when I he the defense said, the minute I put my hands on him, he was in self-defense of me. So if he took my gun and tried to kill me, it was in self-defense and the jury bought it. So everything he did to me was because I provoked it. Officer created jeopardy. If you've ever heard that term, it's wild. I mean, I sat there on the stand and I, I had a full blown panic attack because here we are four years later, I'm re listening to my homicide interview, right, going right. over explicit details and the jury is looking at me, you know, doodling in their notebook. Some are asleep. Nobody cares what I have to say. <laughs> Nobody cares that I'm a human being. Right, right. They just right. think, oh, I'm a cop and I should have died. And you should have died. That's it. Yeah, that's the, unfortunately, that's the state of affairs, sad affairs that we're living in nowadays. Because if you look at that objectively, if you look at that video, because like I said, when I came across it, I'm just, you know, because I'm like, okay, uh. Hmm. Nobody's coming to help her. So she defended herself. What am I missing? And that's all that that's all that kept ringing in my head. Like, what am I missing here to make this guy get acquitted of all these charges? Because you came now and, you know, on the flip side of that, had you not responded like you did. Right. And something happened to that lady. Guess who's the family's going to sue then. You know what I mean? You oh, failed exactly. to do your job correctly. You didn't respond fast enough. There was a priority call. You didn't, you know, you didn't use due diligence to investigate what was happening. Um, did well, any, did they bring that up? Yeah, I mean, the defense completely blew apart the entire training that we get. You know, if it's the hot call and it's somebody's life in jeopardy, you need to respond. Is there circumstances that you should wait? Sure. But 
I would be derelict in my duties if something, if say she was being assaulted in that house or that's why the phone went quiet because he strangled her. And I sat outside twiddling my thumbs like, man, okay, I'm going to wait for my partners, you know, who knows? And she's being killed or assaulted. That's on me. At the end You've of the day, charged. at You've the end charged. of the day, yes. Why does the community feel like they are safer by having their cops waiting outside while they're being assaulted instead of coming in the door and protecting them? And the jury even said like, oh, she should have waited for backup. And I'm thinking, man, this woman, I don't know if I mentioned this, but she had armed herself with a kitchen knife. So she was in such she fear against her own right. son that right. she was armed. So what does that tell me? Something occurred in that house where she had to protect herself with lethal force. And I became the villain that I approached the door and I should have just sat by and waited. So it's like the whole institution of law enforcement and what we swore to do has just com completely crumbled in the eyes of the community. Yeah. But you know why though, right? It, it's, it's politicians. I'm not afraid to say it. It's politicians. A lot of politicians, not all, but a lot of politicians, because this is how I get votes, right? If I can convince, like you said, civilians, the community that police are dangerous, we, we just, all of us are dangerous and we just want to kill, then I have all these, I can get these votes because all I got to do is bring up anti-police rhetoric anytime that I want to, right? Any police shooting and I can say it was race. I can say, you know, the cop did this. He shouldn't have did this based on their training. And, and you know, like I know, every situation, every call, every 911 call for service is different. You exactly. can go to a minor one thinking it's minor and you can die that day. We both know that. We see that all the time. So exactly. what, what, did the, what did she say on staying? What did the mom say? I was not allowed to be there for any other witnesses because the state of California said I was not a victim. I'm a witness. So I was excused because I was subject to recall by the defense. But to my understanding, she wasn't even on the stand. She wasn't interviewed or, you know, talked on the stand. Why, why not? Why didn't your defense put her on the stand? Yeah, so that's one of the things that I still am waiting for answers on from my district attorney's office. There were there were a couple of things that weren't really explained or done how I thought they would be. Uh, you know, the defense was prepared with experts, and my attorney did not call in any experts. It was just me and my partners who she called. And, you know, to be completely frank with you, I don't know why. But yeah, I had many questions as well. What 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 race was this guy, gentlemen? He's black. Okay, okay, all right. And you know, I, I'm not a race baiter. I'm not a, um, you know, if you find, you follow my page a little bit, you can kind of get the, you know, the feel of it. I I don't I don't do the whole victimization of a man because you're black, right? I. I'm like this, wrong is wrong, whatever color you in, whether you're a cop or not. Exactly. And um I guess I guess around that time it was it was in that motion of the the you know, we're going against cops. Th this is the tight the new tidal wave that's coming. That's why I always I kept asking you, like, okay, like around what time was that? Because you know, like I know, it's like if I go against this police officer, they're going to love me, mm -hmm. right? If I charge this police officer, 
the, these people are going to love me. And it seems like you got caught up in that. To me, it seems like you got kind of caught up in that wave, that beginning wave of it, because what were you exactly supposed to do? Because let's flip it. What if you had shot and killed him? You're a white female. You already know what the headline's going to say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to hit on your point is, I like to say it's the two Bs. It's the buzzwords of the bullshit. It's what mm -hmm. is the narrative these days that drives the money and the votes. And I yep. hate to make it political, but we yep. just have to call it for what it is. And that's the, that's the generation that we have created is... Yep. People are no longer held accountable for their crimes. It's always, well, what did that person do to deserve it? Well, <laughs> right. you, were, you were driving a nice car, so why did you have a nice car? What did you expect? You right. shouldn't wear a Louis Vuitton if you don't want to get robbed. You shouldn't wear a short skirt if you don't want to get raped. You shouldn't be a cop if you don't want to be killed. It's like we have escalated the accountability to the victim and not the suspect. And I think that played a huge role in my case because people could not understand that I am a human being and a mom and a wife and a daughter and a person. Right. Yeah. They only saw me as a cop, which in turn makes it really prejudice against me. But you can't say that because the narrative is all cops are bad, no matter what, no matter what. A ab yeah. Absolutely. So at, at the end of your verdict, at the end of the verdict that you received, did she didn't, the defense attorney didn't like, I'm sorry, not the defense attorney, but the, uh, District attorney didn't come to you at all and say anything. Cause see, I'm like, my blood is boiling a little bit just listening to it because this could happen to any one of us any day, Absolutely. any day, any day out here. Right. Yeah. So there was no explanation. Of, I mean, anything to you like, yeah, you know what? I, I kind of blew this. I should have did this because I'm trying to figure how do you become a witness on a case well who who was the victim then i mean who who did they make the victim so i don't know if this is generalized or just california but when you're acting as you know either a police officer or a firefighter or emt something that's like in the public category like because i worked for the the state of california as the county of san Bernardino and a deputy sheriff the state of california was the victim and i was the witness so when I tried, wow. right. So when I tried to challenge, you know, this was a violation of my Sixth Amendment rights. I did not have a fair counsel. I did not have an impartial trial. My Marcy's law was violated. I wasn't protected. They basically said, well, hey, listen, you're not a victim. The state of California does not recognize you as a victim. And it's like, I'm sorry, but if I would have died, then everybody would have hailed me a hero. They would have etched my name on a wall in Sacramento. They would yep. have been so sad. But because I almost died, oh, well, you know, almost you. Yeah, almost. Right. Wow. That, that, that's crazy, man. So I saw that you made, you know, which is really cool. You made a couple of rounds on, you know, like uh, national news programs and all. And, you you know, you're getting that, getting your story out, which is really, really cool. Have you, has anybody reached out to you from California or any I'm going to say higher up politicians or, or, you know, like that to say, Hey, you know what? Um, I want to hear from you. Cause that was wrong. You know what I mean? Or did they just all go, eh, she just making noise, this white chick, you know, let's get her yeah. out of the way. 
Yeah. I mean, I'll be totally transparent with you because, you know, I believe in being real and raw and that's the whole point of my Instagram. But, you know, when the verdict came out originally and everybody, you know, kind of had the same reaction of you as like, what the heck just happened? It seemed like a lot of people cared because a lot of people got to use my story as like a platform or something to talk about. So when push came to shove and I'm still here now, what is this three, four months later? And I'm asking for questions and I'm asking for things. People no longer answer their phone call, my phone call. People no longer reach out to me because it's old news. You know, I did talk to a Senator in Tennessee, obviously she's in DC, not California. And I talked to a couple of assembly members in Sacramento, but you know, I'll be honest with you. People are not willing to help the law enforcement profession because they're afraid of being canceled. There you go. So the minute minute. you Say that again. Say that again. (laughs) People are afraid of helping law enforcement because they don't want to get canceled. And I have seen that. I'll be honest. I've seen that from every step from my own sheriff's department to my union to assembly members to city council. People don't want to help you because they don't want to be canceled. And that's why I've been so enraged and I'm talking to anybody and everybody because this cannot be the status quo. Like you guys cannot continue to do your jobs under these circumstances. I don't think it's okay. My closure was ripped away from me. So I'm going to go out and get it myself. And this is what I've been doing. Wow. I commend you on that, man, because you said what I was thinking 100%. What I was, you know, that point of, I want to kind of get involved with her because it's, you know, I want anybody, like you said, to counsel me or be like, why are you supporting her? And right. and what's really sad is you, that was your career. Um, it ended. Did you, did you wind up retiring? Did you get to retire? Yeah. So I medically retired March okay. of last year. I, you know, retired for PTSD. I was not yeah. fit for duty anymore, which you know, I had planned on doing this career for the next 30 years. I had dreams and aspirations and goals and I loved my job. Like, of course, you know, there's calls and days that aren't the best, but the institution of law enforcement that I signed up for, I got to be a part of that and I loved it. And so when that was stripped away from me and I was forced down this path that I did not want to go down, that was really hard to deal with. And it still is, but now I'm I'm looking at it through a different lens of, well, I have a second opportunity and a second chance. So I have to use what God gave me. Absolutely. And I commend you for it because, um, but I said before the PTSD, PTSD thing is very hard, very hard. I know it was very hard for me to deal with because I, you know, my kind of like my story was, Hey, I shot the 16 or 17 year old killed him right in the first shooting. And then I wind up waking up in the middle of the night, you know, doing the whole running thing around the house, couldn't breathe. You know, I'm sure you understand what I'm talking about, the dreams, um, not wanting to be touched, the high pitch. I can't. I don't want to go outside. I don't want to meet anybody. I just wanted to stay buried in the house. And it almost got to, well, you know, I'm no, no shame. And it got to a point where it was almost suicidal. And I said, yeah, I've been there. You, and you know what I mean? Right. And it's like, yeah, I cannot take this pain anymore. I'm sick of yep. it. And something, something got me connected um, with a, a P, Prince George's County uh, former officer in this way. And she has a, um, a company called Shieldus and that's all she does. And I kid you not, it's just, it was like a miracle. One day she just reached out to me. 
like and i'm like how did you know whatever right and if it wasn't for her i would not be here today i can honestly say that wow. so a lot of people don't understand that ptsd journey that's why i always you know i'm like hey guys don't be ashamed of that i promote that on the podcast i promote that on my page if you want to talk and especially, yeah. and I'll say this, black men, black officers, because we, you know, we got that kind of like that double cross to bear because we can't, we definitely can't show any, you know, fear. We can't show anything, which is a crock. But I, yeah. I tell them, hey, guys, hit my inbox. And you, it's amazing how many guys hit my inbox sometimes. I'm like, yo, it's three in the morning. But I'm okay yeah. with that, right? Because I knew how that was. So yeah, I commend you for getting through that. And and real quickly, how did you get the what what was your trigger point to go? I've had a you know what I mean? I've had enough and I need to fix myself. Well, you know, I still have my days and my weeks where it's almost like, you know, it's like an out-of-body experience. Mm -hmm. You're like yourself, but you're not yourself. And nothing feels right, nothing seems right. But I'll tell you, it was probably August of 2021. And I remember texting my husband, like, you know, I don't know what's wrong, but you need to come home. Right. And I don't really know what's happening, but I don't feel right. And I just remember my son was um, almost one at the time and he was taking a nap and the house was quiet. I didn't have anybody around. And I just remember looking at my safe and I'm looking at my gun and being like, yeah, <laughs> I, I think, yeah. I think it would be better to just kill myself. Yeah. Like I'm a horrible mom. I'm a horrible wife. I'm so angry. I'm so bitter. I can't yeah. live like this. And I remember my husband got home and, you know, I had taken quite a bit of pills and he's like, what did you do? What happened? And I'm like, I don't know. Like I just, something came over me that day where I think I had, you know, fake the funk for two years. Like I'm fine. I'm good. I'm right. good. Yep. And then I was just like, damn, I'm not good, yeah. but I don't know what to do. Yep. And so from that moment on, I just embraced my new self, I let myself grieve my old self. And I talked to a therapist three, four times a week. I did things, you know, like mindfulness, grounding, journaling, mm -hmm. being open and just vulnerable. And that's ultimately what changed my journey. There you go. Uh, so let me ask you this. Did you do the just break down and cry thing at some point? Like just cry, let it all out, the tears flow? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think in the law enforcement <laughs> yeah. culture, it's like, you know, pain is weakness. Just suck it up. Like no emotion. You know, like police officers are more tactical when they're emotionally dependent. Like when you don't have to worry about yourself, you're a better officer. And so I thought like, damn, what are my partners going to think about me? Everybody's back to work except me. What is wrong with me? Yeah. And I remember I woke up at like midnight and because I was having like really bad nightmares and I remember just sobbing to the point where like I was hyperventilating and I couldn't catch my breath. And that went on for hours and hours and hours until I think my body like dried up and it just didn't happen anymore. And then <laughs> yeah. I kind of just shed that skin and started down the path of actually healing myself. Well, I commend you for that big time, man. I, I really do. Like I I was fascinated with your story. Um, and I'm going to, cause I had a lot of people reach out and ask me like, bro, what happened with this? Like what really happened? Like, and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to ask her and you're going to hear. So I'm glad I got to have you on. 
And I'm glad we made this happen because I'm like, yes, she's going to make a good, great guess because her story is uh, pretty incredible, right? Because nobody, no officer would believe any any jury across America would acquit somebody for what they saw in that video. Nobody. Yeah. Well, thank you no for officer. having me and giving me the opportunity and the space to talk about it and hopefully bring some some answers to people because it's, it is very odd, but like you said, it's only a matter of time until it happens to someone else. Yep. Absolutely. So listen, you keep up that fight. Um, if you need, again, you reach out and I will definitely, like I said, I have no problem promoting your stuff. Anytime you want to speak, you reach out. I got you. You you always have a space here on uh, at Let's Talk Law Enforcement. Always. And thanks Thank again so for giving me the time, Amy. Absolutely. Right. Thank you. Be safe out there. Okay. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. You too.